musicians are outcasts, the lepers of the music business. They've been banned by the radio stations, boycotted by record shops, blacklisted by promoters. The last time they played a concert was in July this year, and tonight they're playing in secret in the back room of a pub in Kent in an attempt to clear their name. The landlord thinks he's booked a country and western band. He couldn't be further from the truth. Might as well change That's a good song. That's a good ass song from Baby Chico about how much he likes a good rant. Do you like the good rant? Oh, yeah, because he's from Long Island. He's probably heard of him. Come on. Yeah, my uncle. You got to love this band. Remember their album, um, their album, uh, uh, Making Rock and Roll Great Again from a couple years ago? Like, did they really? Dude, the album cover looks like one of those shirts you'd get an ad for on Facebook that is probably generated by a computer. It's, it's, you gotta just look it up. It's insane album art. It's got like this thing on it. It's oh, fucking sick. crazy, dude. Are we recording? Yeah, but I'm probably gonna cut all this. They're just loosening up, you know? Oh. Make. Yeah, make rock and roll great again. I think it's from 2016. Man, what a. What a perfect time to put that. Terrible error. Terrible error. Yeah, it kind of was. <laughs> oh, oh my God! I see what you're. Yeah, saying. dude. Yeah, that looks fucking. Look at how. Yeah, Tyler, give you a review of this album cover. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, that. It just. It looks like. It's like. It, this looks like a like a soap like a box. It of soap. looks like a modern <laughs> modern rock like uh, like an arcade fire album cover. But or like, like a Red Hot Chili know? Peppers. Like, yeah. Album cover. So but like, it, it's like you're washed up. But like worse than that, it looks like if I like asked Mid Journey AI to generate a Red Hot Chili Peppers album cover. Look at some <laughs> of these fucking song titles too. Suicide Ride. Oh, they got winning song titles. Take the Lovin' and Ron. I remember loving you. That's fine. G Spot Robot. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, babe. Uncle Henry's wife. Major Minor Chords demo. What? Yeah, what the fuck that is that? is the most local band thing ever. That's like on that uh, comp of local bands I have, North Rock, and there's a band who has a song called Capo Song because they use a capo on their guitar on it. Wow. That's a very local band thing. Like, oh, we called it that at practice, and we just stuck with it. Pretzel Song. Yeah, 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 you know? shit like because that. Because I yeah. eat pretzels when, when the first time we played it. Because I'm eating pretzels constantly. <laughs> yeah, these pretzels make me thirsty all the time. <laughs> Get all the latest Good Rats news. No, I'm good. <laughs> I think I'll, I'll. That's probably where the episode is going to start. Is when you were uh, when we were talking about this album cover. That seems yeah. like a good place to start for this episode because it's good working class blue collar shit. The good rats. Uh, this I'm, is class. Uh, I'm drinking a good working class drink, uh, hard cider, and uh, you know if we're talking. We're gonna go overseas a little bit. The scr- scrumpy. Is it scrumpy? What does scrumpy mean? Scrumpy it's cider. I think it's hard cider. That is what it means. But that I don't is, know if it's a. If that it's, is not is, the cider. This that is those not motherfuckers that kind of drinking. cider. That shit is this made is, out of peach and bold blackberry. I see on sweet it. Sweet peach and bold blackberry. Blake's hard cider. This shit, guys, is delicious. If you like hard cider, uh, trust me, this is good. I had I had this in. We got it in Pittsburgh. We went to a beer store. And I got two big cans, and it was this and then their triple berry one. This, guess how much percentage this is? Six. 
Six and a half. Yeah, you're right. Six that's, and a half. That's oh, about right for those. Wow. Yeah. I slammed two of these yesterday, and I was you're fucking. Busy, I was huh? done. I was like, yeah, I'm good. And mine's a Magnus, mate. Nowadays, Scrumpy refers to rustic, unfiltered apple cider that originated in the land of Scrumping, primarily <laughs> Western and Southern England. Wow. Makes sense. Yeah, that's Strongbowed Magnus, mate. And this is the Kings of Punk podcast you're listening to at the moment. Um, I'm Jake Razor. I'm p- apologizing in advance. I have a sore throat. I might be coming down with something, so I'm sorry if... I sound weird or say anything stupid, but fortunately, I've got uh, we got a nice little tag team here uh, on my left. Uh, Gary U.S. Bombs, and I'm Tyler Hammer. <clears throat> Sorry, I forgot which dude. direction your left was. I that's thought okay. you were talking about me, and I was like, "Left." I don't know. That's that's uh, Gary over there. Correct. So uh, yeah, we have a this is a fun little episode. Kind of been um. Uh, previewing it, I guess. I don't really know. Like, yeah, we we have been because this, like, um, alluding to it, alluding. It's a, it's a big topic. It's one that I think we're probably gonna come back to at some point. Cause oh, there's, yeah. There's a lot to it. I struggled with researching this one because uh, it's not as well documented as I would like it to be for reasons that I think will become clear. And I'll probably even even that's something probably towards the end of the episode I would like to talk about more because I have some thoughts on that. But this is our uh, intro to OI episode uh, mm-hmm. discussing the OI music and subculture. Uh, some of, I think most of our listeners probably kind of know what that is. Yeah, but I think so. you'd be surprised how many people either don't know or they think they know, but they're thinking of something totally different, or they've just never listened to it. So, as I often like to do with uh, these kinds of episodes, I guess I would ask you guys, like, what has your personal experience been with this stuff? Like, did you, when you were getting into punk, was this something you'd heard of? Did you, what was your impression of what this was? Uh, See, I always kind of thought it was like a, honestly, a racist thing, because I just remember always Mm -hmm. hearing like, oh, you know, that's like screwdriver. Right. Bolt, you bring a uh, a band, Screwdriver, today, the day we are recording this, guys, 30-year anniversary of Ian Stewart Donaldson's death via hitting a tree. Well, I mean, that, it was actually a, an assassination, I believe. Yeah. The the tree, they spawned the tree in front, yeah. in front of them. <laughs> no, they, the, the, the people tried, those people tried to be like... They had somebody tinkering with the car. Tinker, tinker. They tinkered with the tires. It's the bloody IRA terrorists again. (laughs) They're always tinkering with the cars in one way or another. Whether it be planting a bomb underneath it or... Or simply tinkering. (laughs) You know what? Uh, Now that you... When you say that, I, I feel like I had a similar thing with it too. Right, to where it's like, oh, this is like racist or like I, I, at least I knew like the skinhead thing was associated with it. Yeah, people. Like, you're right. To a, and and, I, to, and this is to how much I'm not sure. Um, as far as like actual bands that I liked, not very many. Mm-hmm. I think I like because I remember not liking Coxbar when I heard it because, um, and I don't know if exactly is a big thing that we'll get into is I guess we'll what is like oi and oi band but like i think cox bar is one of those bands that's kind of in that realm that people really like yeah across all you know all different types of people and i remember listening to them the first time and just being like hmm, this is not 
the fuck what I expected. No, it wouldn't uh, be. A band I did like, I guess that would be one of the early Oi bands in the U.S., was Iron Cross. Right, right. Because they were on the Flex Your Head compilation, and I liked all, a lot of the DC stuff um, yeah. when I was getting into like punk, like actual punk stuff. Um, but Oi kind of avoided me, and it was always like the ugly stepchild, you know, of like punk. Right. And like I would like some, I'm not a big 77 punk guy in, in any sort of means, but, you know, I'd like the Buzzcocks, and I like the Ramones. I like, now I like the Sex Pistols and stuff like that. I was aware of all those bands, and then it was like kind of this other these other bands, they were nearby, and it's like the stuff that I kind of heard, I I just didn't I didn't get I think right right very understandable I think my experience was in my younger years slightly different due to me I think having slightly more awareness at a young age of like Hellcat Records like rancid adjacent shit Mm -hmm. so I had been I was and I never got deep into that stuff but I was exposed to it enough that like when I first heard about Oi Music I think it was along the lines of like well, they say the word oi a lot, and it's kind of sing-along-y, and uh, that was what I liked in music at the time. Even, like, dude, like, Dropkick Murphy's shit might have kind of, like, shown me this in the first place. And then, yeah. I, and then I got a compilation from the library when I was, like, 12 called Punk U that had a weird mishmash of stuff on it, but it included Oi 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 by the Cockney Rejects, and I, like, loved that song. And then I dug into it, and I was like, oh, there's, like, racism also happening with also this has something to do with racism kind of too but it doesn't but we'll get into all that so i kind of figured it out backwards yeah punk you punk you yeah no uh and i mean you know it makes sense why i really like that bonk bonk song i think it's kind of like oi in a way if you think about it it definitely is they were sing it's so sing along right the part also the part where she's just kind of vocalizing like the da 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 yeah you're right. You know, it's like kind of like you know, right? That's like the football chants, you know, that they 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 be doing in those always songs like they, that. They Lindsay Jennings will be uh, joining us uh, any moment now, dude. We'll talk <laughs> about making that happen. Um, <laughs> Maybe we could be. Like, she, hey, is a, she, is, she is a podcaster. I don't know. We could oh, try. Oh shit. Um, any what about any other further stuff from you, Tim? Other than just knowing it was racist. <laughs> um. <laughs> I mean, you know, I did like, uh, you know, I like some Sham 69 songs and um, honestly, that's probably really, I've actually been, uh, actually, never mind. I'm not going <laughs> to, I can't, I can't go into, I can't go into the details. I'm sorry. It's confidential. It's a redacted. And, yeah. Uh, I can't, I just, I don't want to, I, I, I think ultimately I, the, I think with me and Tim are, I don't say our fascination, but our, uh, I just like, uh, uh, it's not what's the word it's not subversive but or is that the word yeah i think you like subversive art you like subversive artists i do like me. i mean i, I don't like them transgressive too. transgressive that's yeah. that's it that's it. yeah that's i mean it's not like i i don't want to you know be like that guy who's like i only like edgy music but it's like i don't know like i kind of i i do it know. just you i'm like not, it's i'm it, like the same like i'm the same way tim i like transgressive artists in like all shapes and forms I really, like i really right. do think the whole like you know the, the shit where it's like oh no like you shouldn't listen to that you shouldn't like it there is i do think there's like a part in my in my brain that's just like i well like now i am gonna like it. now i'm oh you piqued my interest i shouldn't yeah. listen to yeah. this 
The forbidden, not the forbidden song. The forbidden fruit. Well, certainly, I can tell you the modern oi scene has a lot of that, really from both sides, because there's a lot of far right folks who would get pissed at you for listening to like the oppressed or something. I don't know, whatever political shit can really uh, get in the way of art sometimes. I know what you mean. Though. I mean, one of my first tastes of like music that some would deem transgressive was around the same time I got into like American hardcore. I was getting into like UK 82 too. And I happened across a band called Combat 84, which is still one of my favorite oi bands. And I watched the like BBC documentary where it shows Chubby Chris going to do his laundry. And then there's a huge fight at the end at their show. And I read a little bit about him and it felt that shit did feel like dangerous in a way that other music didn't. And it really uh, grabbed me at the time. So you mentioned Sham 69. I think as far as history goes, we should probably get to those guys first because that is really the f- the main like immediate forerunner of what would be called oi bands. They started in 75 in Hersham, Surrey, which I think is it's not in London, I don't believe. I think it's outside of London. I don't think it's like dead in the Midlands either, but I feel like every single like British band we've talked about, they're from another place. Like, we've never repeated. Bonded, yeah. We've never repeated a single one. Yeah, no, it's 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 true. Which um, is kind of crazy because it's like just how many of these like stupid shitty small towns are there? But in, I feel like one. you could do that with like New York City. They're like from like oh flushing. They're from this very specific or, uh, part. They're from like Hell's Kitchen, like Bushwick. You know, some yeah, like the that. Bowery or whatever. Okay, but so, I don't think we differentiate that shit here. So as much. Surrey is on like the borders of what would be called Greater London, I guess. So yeah, it's it's not it's not like in the middle of nowhere like England, like s- some like, bands that we'll talk the about. The far but. outskirts. I guess uh, the outskirts of London, though not of England. It's like the suburbs oh, of okay. London. It's there. They're from East Rochester, basically. I guess. Okay. Um, All right. And uh, they started apparently playing music in '75, as did a lot of these bands. They started, I guess I would say, fucking around before they like did anything serious. Um, and uh, they were getting coverage in NME as early as 1976. Like in some form, they had a lot of lineup changes. Blah blah blah. Uh, and of course, you know, between 76 and even early 77, punk rock uh, ex- explode. I'm going to use such a cliche term to use, but like exploded in a very sensational way across England and across the English press with the Sex Pistols swearing on TV, the Clash were out, the Damned were out. Like it had be- really entered the public consciousness very, very quickly and uh, made music history. Uh, Sham 69 had a somewhat different background than a lot of those bands a lot of them although not all of them notable exceptions including steve jones and paul simon on the clash a lot of them came from a sort of i guess middle school uh middle school fuck me i told you this was gonna happen uh middle class art school kind of background sham 69 was kind of a mixed bag in that way i i don't i haven't gotten into too many details about like who was working class and who wasn't i will leave that to british folks uh one of whom i spoke with in an interview coming out later but sham 69 somewhat different background and that was reflected in their music and their lyrics they i guess you could probably compare them to the clash they were doing a sort of populist uh messaging and lyrics that didn't really identify as left or right but was more just like well this is for the kids this is for the common man the regular people um which quickly intersected into initially football fans liking them, which led to violence, and then National Front members liking them, which led to more violence, which led to them 
stopping all live performances in 1979 when a bunch of uh, white power skinheads took over their show. So uh, a lot of people, uh, even in publications and shit at the time, kind of said that Jimmy Percy uh, made adopted this sort of rabble. He was the vocalist of Sham 69, adopted like this kind of rabble rousing public persona that was really cool. And meant a lot to a lot of people, and it wasn't the wrong thing to do, but unfortunately, due in part to factors out of his control, uh, it became something that he couldn't control anymore, which is a story we've seen a few times in punk and subculture stuff. Yeah. No, no, you're not you're not wrong. That's especially in the UK, it feels like like it seemed like this era in general, late seventies, early eight and up to the early eighties, like shows and people were kind of fucking crazy seemed like yeah, kind of a yeah. violent place yes yes even in time. like less so in america but like even then i don't know just like <clears throat> there's the is it from the uh american hardcore book the guy on the i don't know if he's on the cover but there's the picture of the guy after he bit someone's finger off no oh, that that's was an american hardcore that's or something like yeah, it's, it, it is an american hardcore that was from new york city new york yeah city. that was at a cbgb show. yeah his name was bags yeah, I mean that's crazy. That's insane. imagine hearing that now. Like we went to the we went to a show it, yesterday. Somebody like, bit the owner's finger off. Someone bit someone's finger. Owner's son's finger off. Bags bit me finger. Well, that's the thing. Like, I in in America, like uh, punk was kind of happening in a bubble of like weirdos and and art people and whatever. And then later on in the hardcore scene, a bubble of like largely suburbanites, although some of them were extremely violent too. Mm-hmm. Um. In England, through starting with Sham 69 and then continuing with some of the bands we're going to talk about, it was really brought out to the masses, which is a good thing, I believe. But uh, it was good because it had to happen and it led to good music. But yeah, England was a pretty fucked up place back then. There was a lot of poverty and uh, there were right wing groups capitalizing on that. And also the thing that I think we fail to account for the most in America when we look at their scene is the fucking football shit. Cause we don't, we've never, I know fucking somebody got killed at a Dolphins game or whatever, but we've never had anything like them with their fucking that, soccer. That was also, he, looking at that thing, that guy did not get, he didn't get like beat to death. He had like a heart attack. Or okay. No. So that doesn't even count. No. But yeah, the football violence thing, if you want to learn more about that, there's a book I'll recommend called Among the Thugs, one of my favorite books. Uh, the one, the finger thing reminded me, there's a story in that book where a hooligan guy bites a policeman's eyeball out of his face, and then he goes out for fish and chips with his wife afterwards. Wow. So that'll give you an idea. With, with no repercussions. Yeah. But a lot of great music out of this, and I do, I look at this scene very favorably. Uh, did we decide, were we going to listen to Sham 69 or no? I think we should. Let's, I would like to, if you guys don't mind, start with their first single, because it gets less attention than some of their more explicitly like populist coded stuff that comes out after this their first single was produced by john kale of the velvet underground who produced mm. the stooges record okay modern lovers and i think it shows i like that one because it's still very much in the mold of the 77 punk stuff sex pistols anything else but you can see traces of where they were going to go with it and i mm. think that would be make it a good place to start with sounds good all right No, I don't wanna, no, 
right, that was the uh, title track slash A-side off of Sham 69, I Don't Want a Single, from 1977. Again, you guys said you're familiar with this man, but you had never heard this. Never heard nope. it. A lot of people hadn't. People know they're more recognizably oi stuff, like if the kids are united, you know, big gang choruses and shit. We, we don't have that yet here. Yeah, no, no. It's, it's more it's like one of those things rock. where, like, you, you hear some of the elements that are in the later stuff that comes probably pretty quickly after this but Mm -hmm. not the elements that is there too so it's it's kind of cool you know i I always like listening to like those early early singles of bands like this like it's like when we i think listening to like the early totally different band but um the stalin like the first oh yeah they're weird freaky 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 shit yeah one thing i noticed big sonic element here that i think sets this apart from the clash sex pistols etc mm-hmm uh, and which has persisted to the present day and spread from oi to hardcore, I think, in my opinion. Yep. The fucking percussive elements here, that fucking constant like tom tom floor tom whatever it is, that like which I'm I'm sorry, I hate to say this, but the first thing it reminded me of is those fucking Gary Glitter singles from the early seventies. Oh yeah. Which is what a lot of these people were into. He was huge with fucking you know, angry young men in the UK, especially blue collar people. So it checks mean, out. Would, uh, go on to do heinous crimes. I'm sure. Very vicious, heinous crimes. I mean, Horrible not things. not just Gary Glitter, the the angry young men. Them yeah. too, but probably yeah. not anything as bad as what Gary Glitter did. To be quite honest, fam. But still, yeah, yeah. It's not like Jimmy Seville was. <laughs> no, you know, he did. It's correct. There, I there is a uh, <laughs> Jimmy. Sev- like I didn't know this, but with uh. What's his? Uh, who's the the annoying comedian from the UK that's getting canceled? Ricky Gervais. No, I, I wish, man. Um, he probably has done some hate. Russell stuff Brand. Too. Russell Brand. Yeah, did you know he God. did an interview? He interviewed Jimmy Seville. N- no. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and he crazy? was like, "I've dude, done terrible like, things." In, dude, in straight up in the interview, he is like, he's like about to, he's like ending the interview, and he's like, he's talking about like. Oh, bring your bring your sister, Russell Brand. Bring your sister, you know. And Russell Brand's like, I don't have a sister, but I have an assistant. So yeah, bring her down naked, you know, no clothes, dude. He's like a fucking pervert, and it's like, like I'm gonna how the pimp fuck? her out to you. What no, the fuck is-, is wrong with you, you fucking weirdos in the UK who don't fucking know that this guy is like just fucking violating like children and like and all sorts of me- like women people and in, people in hospitals he made a fucking hospital to fucking violate people i think a, a lot of, of people did know i do think for a well, lot it's of it's just not civil to dude, say anything. It, the fucked up thing though is that he was on fucking radio and tv for so long that for and he was as and through that he was a facet of people's upbringing so I think for a lot of people, it was the same reason people can't tell if their like uncle is a pedophile because it's mm. like your brain can't process it. Right. Oh, but he's the funny. It's, he kind he's of the man on the telly. He yeah. He kind of molested their whole fucking society. Their, their brains. Like yeah. yeah, it's real fucked up. What were you gonna say, Tim? Um, just <laughs> but James probably nine. nothing good. Okay. James <laughs> sixty nine did none of that. Guys. No, they did none of that. And the Gary Glitter influence I hear is a okay with me because musically those singles are fucking great. I don't care and what he says. I would say you can, and this is I would not an oi band, but people have very much made the connection. There is a connection between oi, this kind of stuff, and a band like Negative Approach, yeah, who they very much on their seven inch, and even on their LP to a degree make heavy usage of the toms like yeah sometimes uh eschewing all symbols altogether on I songs mean, as someone who just had to mix uh my other band's demo uh for which drums were recorded 
obviously drums were recorded. Yep. Uh, I'm in favor. Of, I'm actually a hi-hat abolitionist after trying to mix that thing because it's fucking all cymbals no matter how much I fuck with it. But I think that's, you know what, uh, we'll move on. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Same 69, you probably haven't heard that. It's a good song. I think if you're not familiar with them, definitely listen to their other stuff. For sure, um, classic band. Probably have a compilation. What's their one compilation? That's I don't remember. They have, have a, they have they a, have few. a few. I mean, there's the uh, they what was the album that's life. I f- forget because there's so many different compilations stuff. But really, anything they did from '77 to '78, you really can't go wrong. They had a very impressive string of releases. Hey, little rich boy, fucking great single. If the kids are united, all all really good stuff. But this was the very beginning of that. So, moving forward. Yeah, we get this band. Now, does this band play with some of these other UK or London kind of bands in this area? I mean, they're they playing pl- with the Clash. They yes, they did. They they played with everybody you would expect in the in that era, pretty much, okay. to my understanding. Uh, the thing that ended up holding them back, especially through like 1978, was the increased like incidences of violence at their gigs, mm-hmm. largely tied to football, uh, to some extent tied to like. Th- there's varied reports on this. This is what's frustrating about trying to research this stuff is a lot of things. People have different takes that I think are informed by their own political opinions to at least some degree, the national front, which for those who don't know, was a neo-fascist political party slash street movement in the UK. They had started to turn up to sham 69 gigs. I think the nexus for the punk scene and eventually the oi scene and the entry of some of those individuals inclined towards that, really, I think, was through the fucking football terraces. That's what I've always heard from everybody, for whether they were in favor of it or not. That's what I've always heard. I know Jimmy Percy from Sham tried to, like, put a stop to that. He said, like, stop fighting, stop zig-heiling, whatever, and surprise, surprise, they didn't fucking give a fucking shit what he said. Probably just wanted to do it more after they said stop doing that. Yeah, that's exactly kind of what happened, which is why this band stopped playing. Um... So another pretty, or, so the, this band we established started 75, started really playing 76, yeah. 77. In 78, we see the formation of the band that I think is is maybe like the most central to making like what we could really call Oi exist. I mean, I know you guys have been familiar with for a long time because your old band used to cover them. The Cockney Rejects from the East End of London. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did their first demo in '78 with the song "Flares and and Flares and S- Slippers," uh, and I think they they didn't actually play a gig until '79, um, where they and then they signed with EMI and did their album "Greatest Hits Volume One." That's I gotta say that's like a that's a boss move being like calling your first album greatest hits and it's like not like an actual greatest hits yes. album and that confused me for years and wait, then, wait i didn't know that well let me look <laughs> i always at thought it, it was a compilation no I, I always thought it was okay that's that is no, it's, well they have I, a, for years they have volume two right yes they do yes. okay see the that's that's boss to do volume two too because a lot of bands dude so many bands have been like uh, discog- uh, compilation part one, and that's it. And it's like, they're yeah. called part one. <laughs> pretty much immediately up, in- and I've liked this band for years and years and years, pretty much up until we were about to record this episode, I thought both of those were collections of singles and that these guys had like a string of singles in the 70s. 
I, I, not really. I'm gonna check real quick, but I, I think they did maybe like, I think flares and and slippers was a single in maybe '78, but I well, know they basically just did that. Uh, troll much? Yeah, they're like the fucking origi- they're like one of the original Oi trolls. Wow. And so no, so they did have a few singles before that. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. They had flares and slippers, and I'm not a fool came out before that, and uh, the greatest Cockney ripoff came out around the same time. But the, they're they were those were not like compilation albums, really. I think this Cockney Rejects is probably one of the early Oi bands. I guess we'll say Oi bands that I've heard because uh, famously, maybe not famously, uh, band I was very into uh, that you showed me Tim Extreme Noise Terror covered. I I'm a am fool, not a fool. But he, they did. I'm not a fool. But 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 ENT called it. I'm a bloody fool. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I remember hearing that and being like, oh, this song's cool. And then I think you told me it was Cockney Rejects cover. Yeah. And it's like that makes sense because it sounds almost nothing like any of their other songs. No. Yeah. But they have a great version. Uh, love that. And Cockney Rejects song. Love it too. Yeah. I mean, love this album. If it's, I'm not mistaken, too, they also. I mean, they. They did the song Oi Oi Oi, right? Yes. yes. And that's where the name came from. Uh, courtesy. That was picked up by a journalist named Gary Bushel at Sounds, who we will be, I, I conducted an interview with that will be out as sort of a companion piece to this episode. Uh, to understand that a little bit better, mm-hmm. one thing that is notable about the Cockney Rejects is they were really the first punk band to come exclusively from like a at least in america or in the uk uh from a like real working class street background which mm-hmm. is is significant in the uk in a way that it, it kind of has never been in america class works differently uh here mm-hmm. over there it it's they even get down to like oh i heard your accent you are basically a different ethnicity than me like mm-hmm. that is huge there yeah and the cockney rejects were the first band where they were all from the fucking east end a historically working class part of London. Somebody, I forget which, I want to say it was one of the kings or queens. Someone who was the leader of England said that they should kill everyone in the East End in like the 1700s. Like, uh, it, it, it was a rough area. Well, uh, a lot of history there, tons of history. It like kind of goes along with like them like thinking like, oh, if you have the, if you talk like that, it's because you're uh, uneducated, right? Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. I mean, that was a neighborhood. They, uh, yeah, ton of history there. They fought the, um, the black shirts, Oswald Mosley, the um, fascist aspiring collaborationist. That was where he got beat up by a bunch of Jewish people was somewhere in the East End. But the rejects came from there and they their songs. I mean, musically, we'll, we'll hear what they sound like in a second. And lyrically, there's they're a little all over the place in their own way. Very simple lyrics. They were all young guys, all football hooligans. They met at the boxing gym for people who were in their like football firm. I know the singer Stinky Turner was an aspiring boxer, but they talked about the terraces, the football terraces. They talked about the fights and, you know, they did uh, songs pertaining to that stuff. They had stuff about even the police, you know, stuff that would have been of concern to people in the Mm -hmm. East end. And this, sort of more stripped down street level version of punk rock uh, Gary Bushel around this time had noticed this band uh, Cox Bar and the Angelic Upstarts and a few other sort of new bands that were adopting this sort of standpoint and approach to punk that was yeah. somewhat different from the 77 era and very different from where 
The Clash, Susie the Banshees, all those bands had gone by 78. All those bands had evolved, as we've discussed before. He identified sort of this new wave of bands kind of coming from all over the country, doing this more street-level stuff. And he started calling it Oi Music, uh, in, inspired by the Cockney Reject song Oi Oi Oi. He had also been their manager for a time. Um, and uh, Oi, if you don't know, the term itself is just a Cockney term that means like, hey. Mm-hmm. It's it's like Wait. if you called it yo MTV raps that kind of thing. Yeah, oi MTV, <laughs> oi MTV raps. I mean, I was gonna say cause I was like several months ago I was listening to uh, greatest hits and uh, I think also they have that song and that song's joining the rejects. Yeah, yeah. They, here comes the new punks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, new totally. punk, and I think it's very weird because that's only what seventy eight or seventy nine that the album comes out. Uh, that that album came out later. That album was uh, that was nineteen eighty, but the singles were seventy nine. Even then, like there was, we're already kind of. It's weird how you're seeing that. Like, I think an important thing is like with some of these scenes is it's and we've talked about this like probably a hundred times, but like this shit was quick. Like we talked so about fast, punk yeah. was like in and out like. It was not even a, 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 a bachelor's degree length of time, in a way. No. Yeah. Let alone an associate's. Maybe an associate. It definitely an associate's, but if you're going for your bachelor's, the punk it, it was it was changed. Punk has already changed. Punk has already died, according to Crass. Uh, yeah, and according to a lot of people, and, and, and the Cockney Rejects and that sort of bands that would become known as oi bands were the ones who were kind of keeping it alive, but also giving it a... Mm. In their view, I think, uh, correcting some of the things that they didn't like about it. That, mm. you know, you've, I've heard some of these guys talk about how um, the Sex Pistols were manufactured, Malcolm McLaren's involvement. They didn't want any any part of any of that. Yeah, Sex Pistols, the, oh, that boy band? A uh, little bit, a little bit. The difference is these guys <laughs> will also say, like, oh, they were a great rock band, but yeah. they were a rock band. We wanted to be a punk band, and that mm-hmm. meant we were from fucking, you know, we were living it, I guess. Do you want to listen to a song? Yeah, I mean, we got to listen to Cockney Rejects. They're 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 a classic. Uh, I'm I'm trying to th- like and 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 this is a band that I think even if you don't like oi music, like this, if you tell me you don't like that stuff, this is the band I'm going to tell you to listen to anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great Morrissey review of them, but I, I won't quote the whole thing. But he he says something about them that they're they sound like the hum of pure human energy, and I think that's a good way to describe it. Oh, we actually had good things to say about them. Oh, yeah, he had very good things to say. Um, I'm tempted to go with something from, I mean, we could do the obvious one and listen to Oi, 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 or there's... Uh, How there's, about Bad Man? I was going to say Bad Man. Bad Man's a great song, but you, I'm you, done with... You guys want to do Bad Man? That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, sure. It's a good song. It's got yeah. a really sick, incredible, like, guitar hook on this song. Oh, yeah, great. And, great like, this, playing. a good song, right, it's one of those like songs where it's, like, the, yeah. the, 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 the chorus is, like half of a chorus you know what i mean yeah 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 yeah. and like that guitar hook just fucking gets you in and it's like oh i yeah i get it let's listen to that sure
husband Michelle Obama. His husband Michael. I'm glad we're. I'm glad I started recording when I did, okay. and we got that in there. Uh, so that was "Bad Man" by the Cogney Rejects off of uh, Greatest Hits Volume One from 1980. Uh, again, seeing some some musical motifs emerge a little more here that will continue to pop up in the genre. That guitar line you're talking about, the dan 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 dan. I'm not an up enough on my music theory to know what that is, but that thing where you play the chord and then you go up like one fret on the B string like that is all the fuck over the oi genre to this mm-hmm. day. They love it. I love it. It's great. When I first heard it, I had the same response you described like, yo, that's fucking sick. I'm not used to, I'm used to hearing like either it's like the Ramones, it's just punk, it's all power chords or, you know, lead guitar yeah and this is kind of neither uh i i don't know exactly where they got that from i know they were big ufo fans i also know and i got into this a little bit with gary and it ties into the skinhead movement but uh like late 60s early 70s reggae music took off amongst british audiences and especially the british working class in a way that it didn't hear you can hear a little bit of that on some of those records too so that whatever that playing half of a chord thing is is sick mm-hmm. and you also noted they have like a half chorus where i they just kind of all yell the title of the song and then it goes back to that good guitar riff yep so that's another hallmark of this genre that the chorus just doesn't need to be much you just have to be able to yell it with your friends and like the tempo i think it's got like a it's a driving tempo it's not fast no but it's it's a, a good head. They have a lot of good head bobber kind of like, like yeah yeah things yeah. Like that, might that, even be slower than the Sham sixty nine one we listened to. That one yeah. was weird though because the drum beat was all think, crazy. Yeah. So rejects, um, they again were immediately targets of controversy. There's like a story I can't remember all the details, but I swear they like got in a fight like in front of the EMI offices and got dropped off the label or so, if anyone knows if that's true or false they can confirm for me I've just that's a story I've heard forever EMI just take an L after L of signing bands oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah um at their shows they often had to like jump off the stage to either defend themselves from people who supported opposing football teams that were attacking them or if there were fights amongst audience members they'd have to break them up uh, I know, yeah, two of them, the this, this singer, uh, Jeff Stinky Turner and Mick Gegas, who I think was the drummer, had both been youth boxers who had competed nationally. They were really good. Uh, so, yeah, they were they were tough guys. Um, this Around this time, the press was starting to make a connection between some of these football fans and skinheads that were showing up to punk gigs and kind of t- tying them to the national front and the British movement, which was another similar thing. Uh, the Rejects addressed this in interviews they totally said they're totally against that by all accounts they were there's stories about them jumping off stage and fighting people for zig heiling uh and calling the british movement the german movement which kind of makes sense because i mean fucking think about it uh if you're zig heiling as a british person um yeah there was there's yeah they're they're in i know in in stinky turner's book which i there's biography autobiography i still need to read um, yeah, they tell stories about like at even early concerts, like massive fights between them and their friends and British movement people who had turned up. And uh, I think as is kind of the case, maybe less so than with Sham 69. I think this still made did some damage to their careers. I know by the time they did another album, they did the first two greatest hits ones. Then in 81, 
they, I guess, tried to get in touch with their roots of playing shit that sounded like UFO and did a couple, uh, I guess, what could be described as cock rock records that I kind of like. Certainly far superior to, um, for example, a certain straight edge band from Boston whose latter two albums are the mo- weirdest, most fucked up things I've ever listened to in my life. Uh, Cockney what? Rejects later stuff is kind of, well, I, I kind of fuck with very it. Very fitting that the Cockney Rejects are good at doing cock rock. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's because they're also here. British. I mean, uh, the British got the talent of just rock music in general, yeah. I feel. You know they what do, I mean? They like, do. I did not watch, in the way Americans kind of do. I watched a Lou Reed interview the other day from like, I think the, early 2000s where he's asking about the Beatles or Rolling Stones. He's like, oh, no, I never went for that stuff. The British can't play rock and roll. I've said it forever. They can't do it. You know, if they want to play Beethoven <laughs> or something, quite they can the go claim. ahead. It's like the craziest yeah, shit I've ever heard. Which is, I mean, that, he I might mean, as well have said, oh, those Australians. No, they don't know how to rock. It's it's weird because, like, I don't want I think Americans can fucking rock the fuck out, but you have to be from, like, specific, like, regions and times right and uh i'm sorry but coming from the the american hardcore scene in the early and mid 80s not one of those times unfortunately you're uh, not rocking that much no. not really rocking from boston oh boston is some rock history but not those guys uh, the band the band boston i mean classic example <laughs> uh, classic rock aerosmith classic rock is yeah. okay they're, I mean, I okay they're from band. new jersey no, no they're they're Aerosmith Boston. is Boston, baby. I'm thinking Those of, guys are shitheads. I'm thinking on, of uh, Joe Vine, <laughs> Joe Vine Boney himself. Oh, well, that shit sucks. Oh, yeah, Bovine Johnny, sucks. yeah. Bovine Johnny. New Jersey track record, not great. Well, that's, but we'll get to yeah, that I mean, time. let's face it. Bruce, Bovine I mean, Johnny, fuck hey, them. one of the greatest songwriters of all time, Glenn Danzig. Glenn that's Anzalone. That is true. And point, Jerry so. only. And Jerry only. Jerry Anzalone only. Anzalone's but, the... Well, so it seems to be uh, uh, so. We currently have a track record of some bands with some rocking tunes and a lot of boy. People love to fight. Yeah, yeah, concerts. a lot of controversy. And 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 Gary Bushell, the journalist I mentioned, he is kind of a lone voice in the British press. And God knows how this would have gone if he wasn't there. Uh, history, uh, we probably wouldn't be doing this episode now. Uh, he was in Sounds Magazine, which was a big music magazine, kind of as a lone voice saying, like, look, this isn't what every other paper saying it is like it's at at very least more complicated than that and one thing he made clear to me in our conversation and always made clear back in the days he's like look the people i know in these bands and the fans of it i talk to are not a bunch of fucking nazis like what we're trying to do is bring punk back to the british working class generally and we're not about that i don't think he didn't i know he didn't deny that there was violence involved but he is he i think correctly pointed out it had more to do with football than anything else so like i I guess you could say and to analog this uh these uh british movement the national front they're like they're the um push pitters in the scene that come to the shows that stumble in and they're just trying to make up they're they're trying to fucking. Yeah, they're cause chaos. They, and they're causing chaos and it's entropy and uh, harm to people. And I, I mean, unfortunately, I think these people kind of know what they're doing versus the average guy that stumbles in a rock concert and uh, I mean, is really annoying. Your average coworker. They kind of know what they're doing. I mean, but the average person that go, it, I want to say the average, but like from Gary Gary's point of view, the average person that he knew that was going to these shows and was involved with the scene. Was not one of these no. boneheads. No, 
they they yeah i think it's a good way to put it they were trying to push all of the jews out of europe and into a giant pit as occurred countless times throughout uh ukraine and poland and all those other really cool places that they we were going to crowd push kill it. them yeah they were yeah uh it it's so it was it was you know and and just little bit of historical context here it's worth noting because we don't this hasn't quite happened in america before like the national, and I'm not going to get into a bunch of details, but like the National Front was a big political party that was gaining steam in a way that was such that like it would be improbable that any of these kind of fringe music scenes would not have them there. You know what I mean? Like unless they were actively like gatekeeping them out, the push pitters were inevitably going to be there. In terms of the question of did they know what they were doing, I would also note like. We're talking about a lot of drunk people who are sniffing a lot of glue, too. Like, that is another thing you got to mm-hmm. account for, especially in the UK, is, like, people being so fucked up that they don't know what fucking planet they're on. Now, so around... And real this will, real yeah. quick tangent. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, so, and we've talked about, we mentioned earlier, the skinhead movement and, like, this oi movement. Um, people usually connect the two uh, mm-hmm. in modern times in the last 20 or so probably years. Uh, now, the skinhead movement was, in this time, the late 70s, was a was like a revival thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Skinheads was, was, was yeah. Skinheads was a thing back in the sixties, even into early seventies, late sixties, early seventies. Now, Big just to too. differentiate the two, what was just very very briefly, what was like the difference between those two? Like, or maybe I should say, do you know why it kind of came back? Uh that's that's a good question. I think. So a lot of things were kind of coming back anyway. This was around mm-hmm. the time that Mod came back and like Teddy Boys came back and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, I th- I think I'm not a I'm not a hundred percent sure. It would be hard to trace it to, back to one place. I do know from talking to Gary Bushel, a lot of the people who got into the punk scene and then in turn the what we would now call the oi scene. A lot of them had been skinheads before when they were like mm. in their early teens. Like they were mad yeah. fucking like twelve year old skinhead kids running around in England, just like in working class areas. So I think that that probably would have a lot to do with it. Um, it's not. It, I haven't gotten a great answer on like when it like first first started to come back. I think it happened kind of gradually. Um, mm-hmm. There's also in terms of aesthetics, there are like middle grounds between like the classic punk rock look and the skinhead look. A lot of these people were what we would call Herberts, meaning they didn't, uh, well, we wouldn't call it that. We would never say that. (laughs) (laughs) What at the time would be called Herberts in British parlance, uh, meaning just like, you know, blokes that were around and were friends with people in these scenes and went to football messages. I mean, I believe we would refer to that as a co-worker. Uh, Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. It's like a cool co-worker, maybe. It's like yeah, it's like it's, imagine if we had like coworkers that we got to like go to North Street and they were cool, but they were otherwise the same. Yeah, that's never happened before. Yeah, that that's <laughs> like a lot. But if it did like that would I had like classmates in high school that were like that. Like they weren't like into punk, but they'd be like, oh, this is cool. Like, yeah, I'll go, I'll to, go one to, your, to this weird show. I'll go to one of your crazy things. Um, I'll go to your screaming concert. Yeah. And, and you don't. I I'll will go s- to your death metal show. <laughs> I will say at this early point, 78. 77 79 even you don't see a lot of these bands we now call oi bands like they don't all look like skinheads with boots and braces and mm-hmm. shit it's usually like one of them looks like a punk rocker one of them kind of halfway looks like a skinhead and the other two completely just look like guys they're yeah. wearing like denim 
and maybe one of them has a mustache. Like that's like the classic look for mm-hmm. this era. It, it so it hadn't really so it, in terms of the skinhead subculture fully coming back as we would recognize it. That I think happened in parallel with all these other youth subcultures coming back and fucking mm-hmm. two tone the Scott thing too. That's like mm-hmm. connected to it too. So that was really interesting time in England. Um, so we talked a little bit about uh, the sort of far right elements that were starting to rear their head at this point. Um, to get to another important band of this era that is on the other end of the spectrum, I, I will note the first uh, compilation that uh, Sounds Magazine kind of put out in conjunction with, I believe, EM, EMI, uh, Gary Bushel had curated it. Oi, the album comes out in 1980, mm-hmm. featuring a classic photo of uh, Sneaky Turner doing the two fingers fuck you thing on the front. The British fuck you. Mm-hmm. The British fuck you. And uh, one of the bands featured on there, the band that I think does my favorite song on there, is a group called the Angelic Upstarts. They were from northern England, uh, the part that is uh, less nice by all accounts. And they, one of the things they're known for is, and they started early, before Cockney Rejects. Their first single was in 77. It similarly kind of more gruff. sounded a lot like Sham 69, to be honest. I think they were mostly inspired by The Clash, but... You take the class, you filter it through Northern England, and people mm. who are a little younger, you get some. Give it a little like bit Shane. of that Northern soul. It's got a little rust on it, yeah, yeah. Um, and and they were one of the bands that Bushel was kind of inspired to come up with a new label for because their posture was distinct from earlier punk bands, a little more working class. Uh, notably, Angelic Upstarts were pretty much always like a. And there's some early interviews that are a little different, but. There's differing accounts on that. What, regardless of what the reality is, they are known for uh, being like an openly like left-wing uh, band that played this style of music. Mm-hmm. If you get into the depths of the history, I've seen some things that are maybe complicate that view a little bit. But certainly by the time that like Screwdriver is taking off and Skinhead becomes this huge right-wing thing, they had already said, like, we're not an oi band. We don't want to be associated mm-hmm. with this. But they okay. musically... Critical band. Even people on the other side of the political spectrum from back in the day will still praise their early records. Um, so I would like to listen to an incredible song off of Oi the Album by Angelica Upstarts called Last Night Another Soldier. I think this is a flawless song. I think hearing this after the Cockney Rejects will show the range of the genre at this point in history pretty well. All right, let's listen to it. <laughs> Oh, 
Last Night Another Soldier by Angelic Upstarts, uh, featuring the vocals and songwriting of Thomas Mency Mensfirth, the sort of main consistent member of the band, uh, off of Oi! The Album from 1980. Uh, what did you guys think of that? I don't think you'd heard that before. Uh, great, great song. That's like, as I said while we were listening to it, like compare this to like some of the stuff we have listened to or that is from this era and similar scenes and bands. And it's like this band is on like a whole nother level almost. It's like, crazy. It's yeah. Fucking like production is great. The song is great. Like there's, there's, there's a, a decent amount of stuff going on, but it's not like super busy sounding like just a, this is what a good fucking song is. And these guys, they stumbled upon some gold. With this. I, it is it boggles my mind when people aren't. I'm not saying people have to be into everything, but like, there are people that like oi in this kind of this era scene isn't good, and it's just like, I don't know. How can you say like? How can you say that? Like, you must just yeah, just a bunch of weird zoom. Well, it's that's called weird being zoomer kids. uncultured swat. Well, it's that's not true. anime, so that's you're weird. right. It's not an, a night, nightcore remix. It's not yeah. like <laughs> it's it's not uh, it's not Midwest emo. That's, it's not. Yeah, there's uh, no twinkle twinkle chords. There's no like um break beats. I will say Midwest the Midwest emo fascination. I, I we cannot pin that on Gen Z. That is some millennial ass shit. More that than really anything, is. I'm tempted to I mean, say they're, they're both they're both groups are into. So. Really? Okay. They're both in the wrong. They're they both, both in the they wrong. Both are wrong both and suck it. because yeah, of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, great lyrics on this song too. Really like great anti-war song. Makes me feel for fucking how pointless and uh, well, pointless for the vast majority of humanity. Very beneficial to a few war is. And uh, yeah, this, this song gets me a little bit emotional. Uh, so yeah, de- definitely a band to check out. Uh, as you noted, musically... They, at least by this point, were starting to branch out, and they continued to branch out and did some pretty interesting stuff. That that song, I think, is on the record, Two Million Voices, which is, mm, I think it's on that one. That one's really good. Uh, but sorry that my memory isn't as great as, this one might be on the album before that, actually. But it's on Oi! The Album, which if you're interested in the stuff in this episode, mm-hmm. would be a good place to start. Uh, the last band we were going to cover for this episode, because there's going to be two more installments in this series, was uh, we were going to listen to a track from another band featured on this album, another track on this album by the band called The Foreskins, which is a very, very important band in this history. Uh, Tyler, my memory, like I said, I'm a little slow today, but it's kind of coming back to me now. With your question of when did like the skinhead style come back, there's not a definitive answer, but many, many people would attribute that to Hoxton Tom McCourt, who was initially the guitar player, then later the bass player for The Foreskins. He wore... He had been like a roadie for Menace, which was a lesser known, but a, kind of a band along the same lines who were kind of playing a rougher, tougher style of punk in like 78. And he started wearing a suede head style, which is like a post kind of between a skinhead and a mod. And uh, he, in addition to being in the foreskins, he got into the mod revival thing. He is a subculture icon dressed extremely well even if you're not a fashion guy i wouldn't quite say i am myself but he looked fucking cool uh and was also known for being a pretty tough dude um and he was kind of the main driving force behind the foreskins in their original incarnation and a lot of people again and if anyone has a different story on this please do tell me but many people attribute that guy to being almost like the first dude to start rocking that style again and foreskins was his band 
important. Uh, oh, he was like Jesus band. Christ rising cool. from the grave in a way. Pretty yeah, much. I mean, it, it has to start with someone in a way, and it's yeah. And he, uh, he, and even if he wasn't like one of the first, uh, him him being in the foreskins and being yeah. involved with the scene probably puts him on a pedestal that like. Even if Johnny up the fucking block was doing it a year prior, like doesn't matter if no one sees you in a way, you know. So yeah, and he, he was more generally like in just an important subculture figure. He DJed at some clubs and played like '60s skinheaded mod music, mm-hmm. like reggae, soul, all that kind of stuff. Again, would would come out to the mod bars and the skinhead bars, and was really mm. do, doing a lot of stuff for the scene at that point. Truly, a, a man of culture. We'll oh say. yeah, a, a man renaissance of like, man. If yeah, honestly, like it's like, but like every scene in a way, I want to say every scene, but like scenes often have those kind of people where it's like this guy does fucking everything, and like what he does, he's like so fucking good at like everything that he does. When he and he had the knowledge of the sort of deeper knowledge of subculture and the history he had, of that he knew the. He knew the the deeper lore, as uh, we uh, young people would call it now. Yes, yes. And he was band leader of the Foreskins, who we're about to listen to. Um, they had a lot of lineup changes aside from him. Um, he had for, uh, Hoxton Tom McCourt. Hoxton that is uh, where he was born, but everyone calls him that. It's like a football nickname. But Tom McCourt started the band with the original vocalist Gary Hodges. They ended up having three different uh, vocalists, you may recognize the name from Gary Hodges from the Negative Approach public access interview where they're asked about their favorite band and they're like, Foreskins with Hodges, Foreskins with Hodges. Uh, he started the band with uh, Steve Hammer and Gary Hitchcock. Again, there's more lineup changes. Maybe we'll come back to that. Maybe we won't. First gig was in 1980 in Canningtown with the Damned and Cockney Rejects. And this Oi the album that we just heard that Angelic Upstart song from. Features their very two first original recordings. At this point, uh, Tom McCourt was playing guitar. He later switched to bass. But I think as our last selection for this episode, we should listen to the song Wonderful World from that album. I think a great example of what the Foreskins were doing at this point and a song that made a huge impact on me when I first heard it. Yeah, let's let's hear it. Well, 
All right, that was uh, Wonderful World by the Foreskins off of Oi! The Album from 1980. As I just noted, uh, I, I hadn't actually listened to this in a while. I like the tempo change two-thirds of the way through the song, which I'm sure was entirely intentional. No, I don't, uh, I don't think they knew how smart they were when they did that. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> They're really, I mean, we're just looking at, you know. What is this you have up, oh, Tim? Yeah, I mean, just talking about all this, this Oi thing, it reminded me of this. There's like this one uh, Simpsons episode. I remember this. We're going to put this, this let's one. put this clip in. Yeah, yeah here, play the put clip. this in, yeah. Because it's, it's fading, I think. Okay. <laughs> yes, that's, wow, perfect. Roasted. A, yeah, uh, even was it season eleven? Yeah. Wow, even season eleven was still pretty oh, good. I say the cutoff is honestly uh, anything after 13. season thirteen is just like this yeah. Is people people are like seasons three through uh, four, and it's like all right, season come on. One. <laughs> season when did they do? When did they do the one. one where they joined the navy? The Yvonne at Niage. Oh, episode. that's like I think it's actually that. It's like probably around that time. That's one I remember watching when I was a kid and really liking. I don't yeah, know if it's still funny. But... That song was catchy. That joined the navy. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have a boy band. <laughs> the revert the back the very you know the horrendous backwards uh, the back mask back masking. Really yeah, funny. I mean their their boy band was competing with a finger bang if I remember the timeline correctly, but. Uh, <laughs> Another great group from that era. But, yeah, uh, that is fitting. I mean, that Foreskin song, I'll give my take briefly. His vocals on it are crazy. The bass also sounds crazy. but It's a great, I mean, I think Foreskins was definitely one of those early Oi bands where I was like, oh, no, no, Oi is good and this there's a reason this fucking rocks, especially with the Hodges. Like, because the vocals, his vocals are so sick. Yeah, it sounds, you could definitely hear where John Brandon from Negative Approach got like. Some inspiration from you can hear where like '86 mentality comes from oh, too, for sure. Like, yeah. I mean, they cover Foreskins too, yes. so that also helps to they make the connection, Evil, right? Yes, that's another Hodges song, I believe. Or there's there's two different yeah. versions of that. Uh, Foreskins had a few different vocalists, as we'll get into. Um, yeah, I wanted to close with that song, and then probably again, we're planning on this being a series. Uh, we're gonna do this, I think, next week. Because Gary is going to be... You're, are you on tour? Are you doing Fetty Tap? Yeah, I'm doing a little weekend run next. What are the, drop the dates. Let's, let's yeah, let the listeners know, dog. Oh, got... Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, September 29th, I'm going to be in Philly at the... Uh, snake Pit? Snake Pit. The Snake Pit. I heard Metallica, the LA Metal Band, is playing. 
the LA metal band Metallica will be there. Okay. And there will be also uh, bonus uh, cover songs, I hear, apparently. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The next day, I am not sure what the venue is called, but it's in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Birthplace of George Washington. Looking forward to it. I will look that up while you plug the third one. Third one is in Ithaca, New York at uh, Angry Mom Records. Sweet. Yeah, if you're in any of those places, go check out Fentanyl Tapwater. They're a great band. Uh, the bonus cover songs, what is that? Robin Kirk's Doodles? Is that what that means? Oh, no. <laughs> like, I think the bands are going to be doing. I heard there's some interesting cover choices. Okay. A little bit of butt rock going on. I know Metallica does that Robin Kirk's Doodles thing where they play. The two of them just yeah. play covers. I remember. It's pretty what, cool. There was one where they played like a like a, like a a Celtic Frost song. Yeah. But with like no wicked. drums. It's just like, this is. Yes. <laughs> no, it was All like the have stupidest no... fucking thing I've ever heard. All of yeah. them have no drums. Yeah, it's just that. Yeah. Like everything about it is just. It's like. Th- th- I, I would love to like get to a point where i could just like oh yeah like we're we're gonna fuck over. like you paid hard-earned money to watch uh uh these two guys mess around on the guitar and play it's prince covers and un- unbelievable and do celtic frost and so i believe the fredericks is it fredericksburg it's Fredericksburg. it's at the outpost the outpost okay i hope they're not you. too i hope no one there is too mad about our 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 chromax chromax episode. episode no that's maryland that's Mer- that's maryland wait it's fredericksburg Virginia. Virginia. Okay. Virginia. Totally different. Two Fredericksburg. So, two Fredericksburg. And they're pretty close to each other, I guess. Yeah. Man, who the fuck designed that shit? Someone in Fredericksburg, Maryland was like. Right. Somebody from. I don't like yeah. this place. I'm going to start this place somewhere Almost else. Within striking distance, I believe, bro. I believe the accent would be more like. Yeah, well, I mean, like, who? Yeah, who yeah, fucking gives a sucks. shit? Yeah, if there's two fucking towns with the same name down there, yeah. I'm doing it in Vir- I'm doing this in Virginia. I was thinking about saying, well, it's within striking distance. You still better watch out. But and now I'm trying to remember. Somebody from Rochester trolled some New York hardcore guy and got like a private message and said, "You better watch out. Rochester is within striking distance." <laughs> I can't remember who it, it was or what they said. Hey, I Rochester, gotta- the laws, the laws borough. If any of our local, any of our local hardcore people know what I'm talking about, hit me up. But yeah, so while uh, Gary is rocking out with fentanyl tap water next week, we're gonna drop the Gary Bushel interview I did, which will give you some more detailed background about a lot of the stuff we talked about here, and sort of touch on some of the things we're gonna tackle in the next episode, the third and final part of our intro to Oi series. Uh, let us know what you thought of this one. I, I wasn't quite as well prepared as I would like to be uh, in part because I'm a bit under the weather. But uh, I love this stuff. I hope I, we're doing it justice. So let us know what you think. Let us know what we missed, what we got yeah. wrong. And uh, we can issue corrections as needed. And But we hope everybody enjoyed it. Again, we love hearing from all y'all. And uh, I don't know why I said that that way. I don't use um, y'all. I'm not fucking from... I don't know. Predator I'm not on Tumblr. I was listening to like the Beastie Boys. Yeah, I forget that's like a Tumblr thing now instead of a like, you know, like a like a southern. Well, thing. see, I yeah. do or like, like an I, I always thing. I spell it Y X L L. That's like the funniest thing ever. Wait a minute, why? Because um because it's the letter a, the letter A because A is in man and like oh no I um, thought I thought A was uh isn't that like the the, the feminine like in Spanish like A is. What is it? O but for man, A for man, woman. Man is. Oh, there um, is an A in man. To your right. I'm just always. Thinking, this is what. Okay, here's my thing. All of y'all, it's sabotage. That good song. That is a good song. I don't get. Like I'm cool with like. Who identify wherever you want and 
I'm very cool with that. Obviously, like, obviously, you should. If you know me, I'm totally cool with that. My partner is non-binary. What I don't understand is when people are like also like that, but they're also like, we need. To, we're trying to abolish gender. Then it's like, so what does that mean? Like, what does that mean? Like, I don't know what that means. It's like I'm trying. People were like, I'm trying to abolish the cops, and it's like, it's. I guess it's a concept that like on a level I cannot fathom whatsoever. And so when people well, talk about these kinds of concepts, I'm just like, I'm, you guys are doing 4D chess. I'm still trying to finish 2D chess. I, I don't chess. know what's happening in their minds when they say that. I can tell you that something like abolishing gender, you're talking about a drastic change to our human subjectivity, which I think for humanity to survive in the long or perhaps even medium to long term, we we are certainly going to have to make drastic changes to human subjectivity. Like the human race is going to have to learn to, uh, we're going to have to learn to live our lives and feel fulfilled and et cetera, et cetera, in a way that's fundamentally different than we did in the past. But I don't know if gender is a component well, of that or not. Nobody think does. about it. We could be talking to robots, robot people. We yeah. could. Yeah, we're, that is one of the reasons we need to change our mode of subjectivity fundamentally is so that uh, we can find something that the robots can't do. Which, probably, to be fair, there's a lot of things they can't do. Yeah, but yeah. They have no, concepts they can't. It's a thing. They have no subjectivity. That's what you got to realize like, about fucking AI. What if you tell them something about, like, you know, like you just make something up, and then they're like, huh. I mean, dude, there's tons know. of stuff where people are just like, hey, what's 2 plus 2? And AI's like, Five. oh, it's 4. And it's like, no, it's not. And they're like, oh, wow, you're right. <laughs> oh right like it's just that easy to be like oh no no you're, you're you got it wrong oh thank you oh you're right oh, yeah, yeah okay i didn't know that oh i oh, didn't know okay. sorry about that see so that's what i'm saying though like because it's like that's some funny shit yeah perhaps it's five but what if it actually is five but what if it was five like, folks what if it was two plus two and it made four but then you added one well that's like that one guy what that one actor who was like, I did math and one times one is a hundred is yeah. two. Yeah, which guy was that that she uh, was crazy. He was in Hustle and Flow, I believe. And Oh, the, uh, uh, the uh, Terrence. Uh, Terrence Howard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, what the fuck was he talking about? He like reinvented math. Uh, reinvented math. And it's like, please don't do so that. So wait, one times one. So there's one, one. Yep. And then um, we're multiplying it by one. And he says it equals two. And I don't know where, I don't know his <laughs> right. thought process. I would like I to see to, that math. I need to see his thought process behind that. Um, he must have used that fully. new, uh, that common core math uh, thing to figure that out. I guess. Um, it's, but it's interesting. It's it's very cool that in 2023, I mean, in the last, straight the last seven years, ever since Trump was elected, the world uh, and Hillary uh, was not elected, which I think that's the good. That's like, or maybe it's the not good, but actually it could either be like the neutral like timeline or maybe the worser timeline is Hillary getting elected. I mean, because actually imagine it like we go from not not only do we go um like it's like, you know, eight years of Obama, but then we get Hillary? like a Hillary Clinton on top of that. Think about how much more fucked up like, you know, like these. These far right right winger people would be if yeah. that happened. It's hard to imagine. Maybe to they imagine. would yeah. be because I mean they're already super. It's just the concept up. that like a a future that I can't fathom in any sort of way, and it's one of those things where like hypotheticals, I I am no longer like entertaining them to a degree. Like what if, what if like Hillary should have won, and it's just like 
I can't talk to you about that. I, I don't will, care yeah. if Hillary. I will yeah, maybe say, Hillary should have won. I become. I don't care. I become sympathetic to the idea that um, even though Trump being president was like the funniest thing ever, <laughs> I gotta say was. I'm a little sad I didn't get to see Hillary be president because it would be. I'm not gonna say it would be as funny. It would be the second funniest presidency yeah. of our lifetime. She and is very funny. Wait, who's number one? Joe Biden or no? But Trump's Trump. number one. But yeah, I guess. But if, like, if Trump but like didn't, the distance oh, between. Yeah, if, if she beat Trump, then she'd be number one by like a long shot. Like yeah. way funnier yeah. than George W. Bush. Because yeah, I was gonna say what's what's the next one? I guess it is George W. Bush. But and then the one after it, the one below Bush. It's kind of a big gap, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, oh, no. I mean, I've, you could probably throw Jimmy Carter. I mean, he seems like he was like a complete chucklehead. Richard Nixon, maybe. I was going to say James Monroe. He's <laughs> Richard Nixon. JFK, that was pretty funny. But like, yeah, I mean, uh, and Biden, could, Biden would be number one if they let him go make a fool of himself more often. But he seems to have good handlers. Yeah. And unlike Hillary Clinton. He's not going to fight his handlers to insist on being in the spotlight, which she absolutely would do constantly, and it would be so awesome. And So I want her to – I wish she was running now. That would, would be great. Yeah, it would it be – It would be great to get Trump and then Hillary. Like, I wish I, – like, I don't want Trump again, but at the same time, I kind of want Trump again. I would only want Trump again if it meant Hillary losing again. Is, is he <laughs> – That is – that is – that would at the very least be the funniest outcome I mean, it would be perfect for Joe Biden's life to, like, finally achieve this and then go down in history as a massive failure who, like, handed the country back over to... But, uh, so, but at least he he got the presidency versus Hillary, who never did. So so yeah. Donnie's, like, not going to jail then? Is that it? Or? No, no he might go to jail. He's definitely running for president. But here's the thing. he doesn't. No, he's, he's built different. He doesn't think about it. Ain't no rules to say a dog can't play basketball. He so if he... What, is he... <laughs> Could we have a potential future president that's like in jail, but he's like the president? I don't see the problem in theory, with that. In theory, he's like he's like the fucking he's like he's yes. like a folks. I need more money. I need more money in my commissary, folks. I mean, he'd, he'd probably do about as much as he did from jail as he did from the White House. He might get more done. Like he's he's just gonna sit there. Like and let he's other got his fucking handlers. And... This is my boy. This is my homie, Big Pookie over here. So wait, he's gonna <laughs> he's be great. probably like in like the white collar, like small penis, like jail. Then yeah. right, I would assume. I think that's like most of them, though. Anybody like that? I'm not an expert on the. They got a nice floor on. They got a sheen on. I mean, they might have him in there with like you know credit card fraud guys and shit. I don't really know. Bitcoin guys, I guess. Yeah, he'll probably plead down to house arrest. I think, although I can't. Yeah, I can't imagine him going to fucking prison. But uh, also, he's been indicted for like what 500 different (laughs) things. I feel like wait, not five. It's not 500, but it is a crazy number of indictments. They're like, really just something nuts. We'll look it up. After. So they're, they're like, like the whole kitchen sink. They're going to like really try to get like anything to stick then pretty much. Yeah. And some of it's pretty sticky. Not the shit they led with the Stormy Daniels bullshit. The shit. Oh, of, right. That's like they, nobody cares. No, let's the, be real. The shit, nobody cares. The shit that's going to that. stick is, hey, Mr. Governor, can you find some more votes for me? Yeah. Uh, and that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Here, Probably some uh, January sixth. Jacob Bliss, can yeah. you find me some uh, uh, some more oi for me? That's what folks are. Uh, who are fans That's of the what we're gonna do. Gonna say. That's what we're gonna do, and we're gonna end this tangent we <laughs> yep. went on. But people like the tangents for the most part. Yeah. I think we but can do it for. A let bit. us let us know what you think, and uh, you know feedback appreciated, and uh, any more information you think is crucial to this task. But next week you'll be hearing from me and Gary Bushel. After that, you'll be hearing from me, Gary, U.S. Bombs, and Tyler Hammer once again yeah. to wrap up this series. So, oi, 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 
kingsofpunk.com, Coppot Official on Instagram. Uh, oi, 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 and we'll, we'll fucking see you soon. Bye. Peace. Why?